Mia Uni, Uro Neno Iki, Enra Via Chibanai, Miyu Yabo. That's the Shipibo translation for Hello Ayahuasca. I'm here tonight to continue with my process. I'm Gox, and welcome to the Miyu Yabo podcast. Taken from the intro Shipibo translation, Miyu Yabo means my process. This is a platform to capture real life ayahuasca healing journeys documenting the highs and lows, and sharing the lessons that arise at the unlikeliest of times and in the unlikeliest of places. My aim is to create a comprehensive library of experiences that will help people who are thinking of embarking on their own personal adventure, or those who are already in it and looking for new perspectives to help them along their way. If you like the following episode, I'd love it if you clicked follow And also, it'd be gratefully appreciated if you would share it with anyone you think might be interested. None of the content within this podcast is intended to encourage the use of illegal substances. Anything discussed in the episodes are for information and educational purposes only, and all opinions expressed are that of the individual. None of the content should be taken as medical advice, and should not be used as a substitute to any psychotherapist, healer, or shaman. Psychedelics should not be used by some individuals, Therefore, always consult a medical professional prior to proceeding with any experience. My guest for this episode is Melissa. Now, Melissa was one of the very first people that I was in contact with um, regarding my path. Um, When I first uh, learnt about ayahuasca and discovered the retreat centre that I ended up going to, Saltara, I contacted them to try and find out some more information about the Dennis McKenna retreat because I discovered them in the June and he was going to be doing a retreat in the July, but I couldn't make that. So I wanted to find out more information about when Dennis was going to be back. And it was Melissa who uh, contacted me or replied to my messages uh, and was pretty much in fairly regular contact with me, uh, just keeping me up to date about when they were planning to release the date for Dennis's next hosted retreat. So Melissa's got a very powerful story where she discovered the medicine and has gone down a path where she ended up co-founding the Saltara Retreat Centre. Yeah, and I'm really excited to hear about her journey from her old life uh, to her new life. And I really hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you good, yeah. Okay. Sorry, I don't know why the other link wasn't working. Yeah. I had a, I had a total brain fart though yesterday because uh, I was, um, I for some reason I thought it was yesterday and I had it, I even had it in my oh. calendar. I had my um, reminder on my phone, but I was... <laughs> But then I was convinced it was Tuesday and I was set up and I was trying to go on the link and then it was saying invalid. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh, um, no. But uh, and then you're like, oh, it's the wrong day. Uh, and then I came and then I came today and then the, the link still wasn't working. And I'm like, hmm, something <laughs> funny is going on here. It's like lunar eclipse, full moon. I don't know. Technology's been a little funny this week. So who knows? 
but yeah, I actually saw that you came on yesterday and I was like, oh, maybe he's just testing it out. But it was right at one o'clock my time. So I was like, hopefully I double checked. Yeah. I was like, OK, <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. That was that was my fault. Um, how's uh, how's how is it in Costa Rica at the moment? It's good. It's uh, a little bit rainy right now, which is kind of nice. Um, the bugs are mm. insane, but at least it's a little bit cooler. So I'm I'm super grateful for like not the baking sun all of the time <laughs> right <Yeah>. now. <laughs> I mean, how do the seasons work again in Costa Rica? I can't really remember. I know I was in June and it was really lush. Uh, not yeah. not June. I was I was in November and it was really lush, and it was just a really nice temperature and it wasn't too. It wasn't too, it was a bit of rain, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah. June through December, there's really only two seasons. June through December is like rainy season. So the rains start coming in May um, and everything goes from like, at least here on the peninsula, things get really dry and it looks like a really hot winter basically. So it's like nonstop sun from basically January to May. And then, and then things get green starting like the end of May and, um, the work, the heaviest rains come in October and then it kind of tapers mm. off from there. So it's actually like when people come for like the winter from up North, like November, December, January, it's like absolutely perfect timing here. Yeah. So because I'm looking at my photos from like November time, everything is just beautifully green and lush. And then I remember seeing some photos, I don't know where it was, but someone posted it and it must've been about the sort of April time or something. And it was like just brown and and <laughs> just like it, it looked like some apocalypse. I was just like, oh my god, I, did, I couldn't believe it. I was I couldn't believe it would change. I couldn't believe it would change that much. It's crazy because literally for like four months, there's not a drop of rain. It's just sun all day, every day. And here on the peninsula, um, there's like a lot of it has been reforested. And mm. so there isn't like as much of these like older trees to really hold in the climate and the moisture. Mm. Um, so it's like this arid Mediterranean kind of vibe um, yeah. here. So it's like, it's not really jungle. It's more like tropical forest here. Um, but if you go yeah. farther south, it stays more green and there's, there's bigger trees. Mm. Cool. Mm -hmm. So, well, well, thank you so much for uh, wanting to come and and do this. I'm uh, I'm really excited to uh, to to have a chat with you about you know how your path has been and your story and uh, it's it's really kind of special to me to have you involved in this because I was thinking about it the other day. You know, you pretty much were one of the first people that I spoke to or was in contact with about my path because um i you know from listening to joe rogan podcasts and stuff of dennis um and then following dennis and then seeing that he had mentioned about soltara was going to be so about sort of june time he was starting to post a few things saying soltara was about to be opening up and he was going to be doing the hosted retreat in july and i knew i couldn't make that so i just contacted uh, the center to just say, oh, you know, when is uh, Dennis going to be coming back again? And it was you that was um, responding to me. Uh, and we were in kind of toing and froing. And you were saying, I think he's going to be in November. And then you were just kind of constantly keeping me updated. And I remember the day in, a, I think it was one evening, I was having a dinner party or something. And then people left. It was in August. And then I checked my emails and you said, we just confirmed it's going to be this date. And I was just so excited. And I just went and booked it that night. Um <laughs> 
That's so, so beautiful. Uh, it's like a full circle moment, isn't it? Exactly. I, mean, I love that. And thank you so much for doing this podcast. I think it's such a beautiful project, just really collecting the different types of experiences that people have in healing and this medicine and just helping to, to share that and the ripples that come from that are just so beautiful. So thank you so much. No problem. I'm really pleased. I remember it was the end of last year when I was trying to pluck up the courage to actually put it out there to say, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. Um, and yeah, I'm so glad that I did. Uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's been going great so far and I'm getting to the point where I'm getting, I'm getting into the teens of episodes now, which is good. So it's all starting to, it's all starting to build up. So, uh, long, long may it continue. So, um, so yeah, this is, uh, great, uh, yeah, so how did this, how did your path start? And this is this is all about you now to say, you know, this is your opportunity to, to say, where have you come uh, a long way by the looks of it? <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah, so, so I was how did, thinking... it, how did it start for you, do you think? You know, it's funny because I, I kind of joke with people that I was recruited by the plants because that's exactly how it felt for me. My life was going in one direction that I was interested in uh, on some degree. I was always very interested in science and math. I, my father was very scholarly. He was an engineer and um, I was good at it. And I enjoyed learning about the way that the world works and seeing all of the different manifestations of how science and engineering can really help people. And so in kind of grade school and university, I did, I studied science. I was really interested in biology and I actually had this desire to help cure cancer. That was kind of for a long time. That was my goal was like, I want to help cure cancer. So I, I was fascinated about the way that the body changes and what can go wrong, you know, and the mechanisms behind what goes wrong and the why behind that. Um, and entering into cancer research, I worked with lung cancer research as well as brain cancer. And when I worked on brain cancer, we were studying glioblastomas, which is a really deadly form of uh, brain cancer. And we were working with nanotechnology, um, totally fascinating and a bit of a tangent, but basically we were using golden iron nanoparticles to help amplify radiate targeted radiation, um, to be able to limit the damage to the healthy cells and amplify the damage to the cancer cells. Um, and it was, it was fascinating. And at the same time, it felt like this very mechanistic form of, you know, understanding which biological levers we can tweak and pull, um, to be able to, heal the cancer. Um, and I, I did that for a few years uh, throughout my university. I got my master's in biomedical engineering, and I thought that my path was going to be somehow merging these worlds of engineering and science to support mm. this type of healing. Um, and I, I almost went for my PhD. I started to get a little bit uh, frustrated with the, the realm of scientific research because it was very, very slow moving, um, understandably. So you have to be very careful with these things, but it was, you know, slaving away in a lab for years at a time to maybe get some 
results to maybe publish a paper to maybe go in some journal to maybe help someone someday. And it just felt very slow. And I felt like I wanted to have more of an impact. Um, and, you know, after that, I, I wanted to get some experience in a bit more of a, a faster paced world. So when I graduated college, I took a job in a management development program um, that was actually for an industrial supply company. It was a very corporate position, but I thought, okay, well, you know, this is a way to, to help people, but also to learn different skills, learn managing skills. I had managed a small cafe in college. And so I was like, okay, you know, I, I was about to enter this very corporate setting, um, which was going to be very different. And before I did that, after I graduated, I also took it for the money because I had a lot of student debt and um, university. It was an Ivy League college. So I had just an insane amount of student debt. So this was also kind of a win-win, but I knew I wasn't going to be totally fulfilled with it. You know, I was like, okay, here's the next chapter in my life. How can I orient to this in a way that's productive and healthy for me? So this was in uh, 2013 and I was looking for something to do in that in-between time that, that could just help me orient to this next chapter. And I happened to be on Reddit, um, the online forum. Uh, <laughs> I swear from. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, it's just funny because I recorded an episode on Sunday and Reddit came up on that <laughs> and, and, we, and we were chatting about Reddit. <laughs> like from the, the bowels of the internet, my life has sprung forth because this was the tangential moment where I happened to be on a sub forum for ayahuasca specifically. Um, I don't even remember how I got there, uh, but I had, I had opened up to spirituality and um, psychedelics. I had my first mushroom experience at the very tail end of college. I was like raised very um, strict, you know, say no to drugs. The whole, the whole war on drugs was very ingrained. I'm a millennial, you know, this was our grade school education. And so I was very much a follow the rules type of person and rejected, you know, all forms of of psychedelics and, and, um, and it wasn't really until college when I, I smoked cannabis for the first time. And truly that was my, my gateway drug, but it was actually to, to psychedelics. And so I had tried mushrooms in college and had a really beautiful experience. Um, so I started to kind of come back to my own spirituality, which had been a little bit, uh, traumatized from being raised in the Roman Catholic religion. Um, and the, all of the guilt and the shame and the, honestly, the religious trauma that, that can come from that for some people, myself was very much included in that. And so uh, I ended up on this forum in Reddit, and I just happened to come across this post um, from Daniel Cleland, who's, who's now my business partner. Um, and he said, I, I take people into the jungle to do ayahuasca ceremonies with Shipibo uh, healers, ask me anything. It's like, oh, okay, I have some questions. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> so I started asking questions and, you know, he was answering all of them and I just, I got a really good vibe from him. And, uh, in this thread, he was advertising for a June solstice journey that year. And this was about maybe February or January. Um, and I was, I was like, that's interesting timing. Like it's exactly when I could do it feasibly. And, you know, I was, I was looking for, for something. I didn't really know what, um, so I said, okay, like, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is the thing that I do. My partner at the time, <laughs> he, he was basically like, you're going to go do drugs in the jungle with some dude you met on Reddit. Like, are you crazy? There's no way. <laughs> like, absolutely not. 
And I was like, I was like, you know, I don't know. I just, I have a good feeling about it. And he's like, okay, great. You have a good feeling about it. Like, I'm never going to see you again. Awesome. Um, And so he was like, understandably concerned. Um, But I I tell you, it was honestly the first time that I really listened to my intuition and actually did something because it just felt right rather than because I thought it was what I should do, um, which was very much my path up until then. And so I said, you know, I, I really think, you know, this is all really good timing. Um, I really want to do it. If you're so nervous, come with me, let's do it together. You know? Um, and so he did, and we went and it was, it was this very adventurous journey. Um, you know, we had, we went to multiple different countries and spent a few days in Colombia, um, and then in Peru and we had, like our bus got stuck in the mud um, right before our, the, like the day that we were supposed to arrive at the center to do our first ceremony. Um, we got trapped in the mud and we were like looking around and we were right by a river and we ended up like getting on this boat by who was, that was manned by a 12 year old kid who was like, yeah, I can take you to the center. Like it's just up the river here. <laughs> like, okay. Is this like, is this really happening? You know, we were about to write it off and um And then all of a sudden we were like going to get there with like two hours before the first ceremony. Um, So definitely, you know, a different, uh, different type of adventure than I think, you know, the way that we approach medicine work now, but at the time it was, um, it was very much a, okay, like, let's do, like, we're going to do this. We're going to meet the challenges. We're going to, you know, we're a team. There were maybe nine of us um, in total in the group. And um, it was, it was that we ended up actually arriving like in time to do that ceremony. And for me, you know, I wouldn't say that I had this super profound, you know, peak experience kind of heart opening ceremony, like, like some people do for me, it was more like the cracking open of a door. And I, that first ceremony for me was just really feeling into the gratitude um, for the people in my life and just really letting my heart connect to the importance of the relationships that we have in our life. And I, I, systematically went through every single person that was important to me and just like really felt into that connection. Um, and it was absolutely beautiful. And, you know, my partner, um, faced some, some of the darker parts of his depression, you know, and, and kind of went into this, this shadow work for him. And we, we only did two ceremonies. We had to actually leave early for a wedding that we had to get to. So the whole trip was three ceremonies, but we did two and it was, it was really beautiful way of almost like remembering something that I had long forgotten. And so at the end of that trip, you know, I said, Dan, like, I love, I love what you're doing. Um, I have to go take this job, but like, let's keep in touch, you know? And, and that trip for him was actually really pivotal as well um, because he met uh, what would be his, his partner for the next several years, uh, who was the only other woman she was helping to organize the trip a little bit. And, um, and she came with us. And from that trip on his side of things, he, it was the first trip he had run that was more than just his friends and family. He had been doing trips with Mm. friends and family for a bit, but this was the first one that he advertised more publicly. And it went so well that um, he and Tatiana, uh, who was the woman decided to continue to do this more regularly and work with the center. So over the next year, um, he and Tatiana kind of built this, this business and would rent this center and take trips like multiple times a year. 
Um, and I kept in touch with him, you know, I followed the updates and I was sort of slowly getting into this very toxic corporate work culture. I was learning a lot, but, um, I could feel that this was just a chapter of my life. And so in 2014, he ended up actually building a center down in Peru. Um, he was running enough trips that it made sense to do that. And, uh, and then a year after that in 2015, he had the center running for a year and he was, it was getting to a point where he actually needed someone to come in and, and manage operations in a more full-time capacity. At that time, I was two years into this job that I knew I wasn't going to like. And I was very much on the brink of like some serious depression. I felt trapped in a, in an unhealthy relationship. Um, we had like a fixer upper house. I was leaning on cannabis really hard and I could feel that it was unhealthy for me. So I was praying, I was like looking at jobs in California or Colorado. I was just like, I need to like get out of Philadelphia. I had been there for seven years at that point. And um, yeah, it was just time for a change. So I was, I was looking for a change. I was like, I just need a big change. And then all of a sudden, one day I get this email from Dan who's saying, Hey, we're looking for an operations manager. Um, it was like a newsletter and I was like, well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing right now, you know, but it's mm. for an industrial supply company. I was like, I can manage operations. Like I can handle, I can't, I, I'm not like a facilitator. I'm not like a healer in the space, but I can do emails. I can do operations. I can do Excel. Mm. Um, so it was the easiest cover letter I ever wrote. I was like, you know, this is, this is a big change. I don't think I'm going to get this, but I have to at least apply here. Here's an yeah. opportunity. Right. Um, so I, <laughs> I wrote, I wrote the cover letter, I think in like 20 minutes. And, um, I remember I was sitting there and I was just like, it just flowed out of me, like how, how much that work felt as though it was an opening for me and the potential was huge for healing, but I had, I hadn't had that much experience. So I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to get this. So a few days later he responds and he's like, okay, um, you know, do you understand that this involves a relocation to Iquitos, Peru um, for at least a year? And also, can you learn Spanish um, to be able to speak with fast talking slang using Peruvians? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yes, I understand. And give me two months. Did so, you know any Spanish at that point? Uh, like, not really. I had taken some courses in high school and college. Mm. So I, had, I did have like a general foundation, but really not that much at all. Um, mm. So I was like, okay, like, but if that's the only limitation, you know, let me, let me just try and teach myself. And um, so I was like, okay, well, you know, I asked for a change. I applied, I got it. So now I have to take it, obviously <laughs> here it is. Right. And so, um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a leap of faith. I, I quit my job. I ended my relationship, which is, was really healthy for me. And we're great friends now. And it was definitely the right move sold my things and taught myself Spanish. And then within, yeah, within just over two months, um, I basically just moved down to the jungle and, and started um, right into it. Actually, it was great because when they first, when I first arrived, part of the training was to literally just be a guest for three weeks. Um, mm. And that I'm, I'm so forever grateful for that time um, to be able to do that because that really helped me to excavate a lot of what had been building up over the last couple of years and really uh, understand a, in a more deep way. Cause I had only had those two ceremonies before. So 
for Dan too, it was a leap of faith on me. And um, he really gave me that space to go into my own process. Um, so I did 12 ceremonies before I even started working. And um, that was such a gift. And I just really came to a deeper understanding of the potential of this work and the way that so many of our issues are much deeper and on a more subconscious and body layer than, than, you know, we actually think. Um, so yeah, I did that for a year and a half, um, 2015 to middle of 2017. Um, and I had the privilege of doing uh, several dietas with the maestros down there and just really connecting, um, in the Amazon in, you know, surrounded by the plants. Um, and, and yeah, watching these transformations happen every single week, um, people coming for all sorts of things, even chronic physical illnesses, which was truly mind blowing to me because I come from this very scientific background. It's like, oh, cancer comes from, you know, when this cell doesn't get this signal from, you know, but actually not really understanding like this is could be related to the lack of boundaries that you had as a kid or, you know, the abuse that you experienced, you know, when you're in this, in a past relationship and the way that, um, you know, now it's becoming more and more well-known in mainstream medicine, the, the mind body connection, but um, you know, at the time and for my current understanding, it was, they were very separate. And so it really helped me to dismantle and expand the definition of what healing actually was. Um, and it just, and it also saved me. I, you know, I literally five years to the day I had my first ceremony, June solstice, 2013, five years to the day we opened Soltara. Mm. So it was just this fast track, truly. Um, I, yeah, I ended up working down in Peru for a year and a half. And then Dan sold the part of the company to pursue some other projects. Um, and a new owner came in and things started shifting and, at that point, I also felt like, like we could take what we had learned in Peru and really evolve it. Um, and also understanding this need for integration. So after a year and a half of drinking medicine regularly in sort of this bubble of a retreat, I got this message from the medicine of like, Hey, you need to get out again and you need to go integrate. I'm not giving you any more answers. You have the answers, go do your homework. And so I, I left and I went in 2017 to live with my mom for a year in California and just kind of integrate. I was still working remotely, but uh, basically realizing like, oh, no, I don't know how to integrate. <laughs> mm. Like I have no tools, you know, like we would talk about it during the retreat. We would kind of joke like, um, you know, the hard work starts when you get home and here's the post diet restrictions and here's a Facebook group and, you know, call us if you need us. But there wasn't like this very systematic aftercare support integration wasn't really being talked about. Um, so do you, I mean, so do you find then for those years that you were kind of going into ceremonies and stuff, it was pretty much just a case of just go in, have the experience and do with it what you will, uh, make of it what you will, uh, less, less so much of the guidance apart from the, the, the plant guiding you, but there wasn't so much that support you were either able to handle it or you kind of weren't able to handle it. Is that? Yeah. So, you know, in the Shipibo, like the Shipibo way of working with the medicine is actually very much hands off. Um, so, you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll tell you something in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, within their culture, it's very much like that's exactly the, the way it is, is the medicine will guide you and 
this is an empowering moment for you to figure out what to do with it. You know, you go through this, we'll, you know, we have the songs, we move the energy. Um, you know, we don't, we don't do much beyond, you know, working with our pipes, working with the, the flower water, the Agua Florida and the song during ceremony. But outside of that, yeah, there, there isn't that much, um, additional sort of psychological, emotional processing that goes on. And we had facilitators, but, um, but yeah, it was, there wasn't that much of a bridge back to the Western world and the psyche of, of the Western mind. Um, Sorry, I've got to tell you why I'm smiling about this. Tell me, yeah, tell me. I mean, this is one of my favorite moments with Sean. Um, Sean being the, uh, the 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 integration specialist for for Sultar, and he's he's helped me so much. Um, and when I was talking to him about these kind of things, he pretty much just I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but I'm trying. I'm I'm hoping that I'm doing it justice. But he was basically saying, you know, in the Shipibo tradition, they're pretty much happy to just give you more and let you deal with the consequences. Exactly. And then he and then he just kind of said, he said, so they go. So you drank a lot of medicine. What do you expect? <laughs> and then you're just like, and you're like, uh, yeah, well, I didn't expect that I was going to be falling apart. And just like, uh. <laughs> just like, right, right. It is a different type of initiation, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and and for you know within their culture, I mean, this is a, a foundational piece of their healthcare system, but it's also a foundational piece of their, their communities. So, you know, they don't just use ayahuasca for healing. It's also as a a community bonding, it's, you know, to help locate objects that have been lost. It's to solve problems in the community. You know, there's the shadow side, there's, you know, there's many different uses um, for this medicine and for connecting with plant spirits. And so within the, the Shipibo tradition and culture, like there isn't like integration is already built in because it's part of their way of life. And, you know, being, uh, being a center that is acting as a bridge between very different cultures, um, there is this need for integration. Um, And so part of it is like this very deep trust in the medicine that, you know, the medicine will, will guide you and will be, um, is always working towards your healing. Um, And, you know, when I left and went back to Southern California and, you know, the American culture, I was, I was like re-culture shocked basically. And, um, and yeah, went into like a deep isolation for a long time because it was just overwhelming for me. So my, my integration of that time in Peru ended up being Soltara with a focus on integration, because I was like, I, I just needed to create the tools that I wish I had had. And that was the case for a lot of people in our community. That was the case for other team members also that we brought on board when we started Soltara. And um, Dan actually had started his whole ecotourism career in Costa Rica. So he knew the country really well. He loved the country. It was very it was, it was more accessible for people who maybe didn't have the ability or, um, you know, a desire to go all the way into the Amazon jungle. And we always encourage people to do that if they feel the call, but not everybody does. And um, creating literally a bridge in Central America, which is a bridge between the global North and South felt very aligned. Um, Costa Rica was also like, they don't have an army here. They don't have a military. They're very, very conscious of the of protecting their environment and the biodiversity that's here. So a lot of the values of the country also felt really aligned with the medicine work. Um, 
And so, you know, when we decided like, Hey, maybe, maybe this is an opportunity to be more of a bridge, um, and, and create something that is, um, an evolution of everything that we've learned so far. Um, we only work with Shipibo healers, of course, because that's like, that's honestly, why would we do it anyway else really? Um, also not work with any other medicines. So this was something that uh, we collectively decided that was really important because there are a lot of centers that work with various traditions and, you know, everybody, I'm not necessarily knocking that, but I do think that when you're working within, with a different culture and with a different tradition, it's really important to understand that, you know, mixing traditions can actually be harmful to the, those cultures and traditions. And so that was an important point for us. And then a focus on integration, um, everything that we do in support of the medicine, but not interfering with it. So no other psychoactive medicines or practices or tradition and working with clinical psychologists who had plant medicine experience. So could help kind of create an aftercare program with us. Um, so yeah, that was in 2018, June solstice, we opened. Cool. Um, so going back, when you were back at home then um after your time in peru and you kind of went through your kind of more isolation and stuff and you realize oh i need to figure well actually you got the message about go home and start doing some work um how did that um how did that work start manifesting for for you and because i guess this is the other things that i'm hoping to try and capture is for individual people, what integration has meant for them and how have they integrated? Especially because you can, you can go have, even if you have like a mind blowing experience or whatever, you can find yourself at home and then you find, you can find yourself in a real stuck place. Um, and then it's how do you move from that stuck place into an integration path, which actually is moving you forward. Um, so I mean, do you, do you recall how that kind of shift uh, changed for you or was it mainly rooted in the going in the starting up of the Sultara project? Yeah, I definitely recall feeling like as I as I with the language that I've learned in the last years of understanding the way that the nervous system works and just the way that this medicine works on the nervous system, which is such a, which is really your mind body connector. Right. So for me, looking back now, I realized that I came back and I was just incredibly dysregulated. I, you know, I had been uh, regularly working with ayahuasca, which is, it can be a cathartic experience and it can also be really dysregulating for your nervous system. And so really um, being in that space for an extended period of time, I learned so much, but there was no, there wasn't much space for my system to just really settle and actually let the new connections and, you know, the different, the rewiring that was happening um, really cement in, you know, I would go back into this space on a regular basis. And how, how, how regular were you going, were you going back in? Was it? Yeah. So for the first year, year or so, it was like once or twice a week mm. for just uh, almost every week. Um, and, you know, it's pretty, unless you're like on the path of becoming a healer or, um, or you know, an apprentice in that way, it's pretty rare that like, that's kind of how often you would do it. Um, I had the opportunity and I had also a desire to learn and I had um, 
I did have a lot of healing that I needed to do. Um, and I didn't also have the tools and the understanding of like, Hey, like, let's start to be a little bit more spacious in our healing. Mm. You know, I, I coming from a very like productive, like I want to get to the root of this and I want to, you know, and it felt like this relationship that, um, because I, and the medicine knew I had this extended period of time. It was every ceremony just went incredibly detailed. Like it went into this very, like much longer term process, you know, people come for a retreat and they work through their entire, you know, life in a series of, you know, two weeks here or something like this, you know, and for me, it was like the medicine knew I had longer. And so it just drew out the whole process, um, is what it felt like for me. But, did it, um, did it make it too, I guess I'm difficult to say by doing it continually and not have, not giving your body the, the time to kind of calm down and let things kind of settle more does that how did that play out then with or does it not really matter in terms of I guess in the in the tradition would they if you're doing it that regularly is it det of a detriment doing it without letting your body settle if you know what I mean yeah so I, I you know I think it it's probably different for people who are in an apprentice role where you're not so much working through your own healing as you are like learning and building the relationships with the different plants and understanding the way to be a vessel for this work through you. Mm -hmm. And in my, in my own way, I suppose I was doing that, but, um, but for me, I did feel as though I didn't fully understand what was actually best for my own body and my own process because I wasn't in that shamanic path. I was, I was more yeah. in the, the operation side. And also I was the person that was bringing people back and forth every single week. Um, you know, I was very involved with the guests, um, not so much in a facilitation capacity, but just in the entire operations and making sure that, and then, you know, during the day I was also supporting the, the bookings and, you know, so it was emails and phone calls and things like yeah. that. So there was a lot of interaction with people medicine processes and and you know this was like such a this was such an opening for me because I had never been in this type of space before so it was absolutely beautiful and by the time that I went back home I was like I don't want to talk to anybody like to, mm. <laughs> this is just like I was completely overstimulated and I just needed to be in my be in my room <laughs> basically and like mm. not really go out not really do anything and there was also this challenge of you know the community that I was a part of in um in Oceanside which is north of San Diego you know there were there weren't that many it was a very like military area there was a Camp Pendleton was like the base nearby so it was just a lot of people that were very much not a part of the medicine world so I also didn't know how to talk about what I was doing you know I felt as though I was like a bit of an outcast. I would go out with some friends sometimes and we would go to a bar and like, it was fun, but I also just felt like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like the sense of community that I had had, um, which was okay for a while, but I also felt like, yeah, it was just completely like one world to another. And so that was also dysregulating for me. And I did feel, um, you know, for a while the isolation was healthy. And then after a while it was like, oh man, you know, like, I, I just don't know how to talk about this. I don't know um, how to connect. Um, and I felt that 
that that that there was some gaps in the bridge you know from yeah. this work and so that was also where I really felt like hey there's an opportunity here to to support that okay so do you do you remember the shift then that took you from the isolation thing that then moved you forward to get you back almost like the kind of low down to say right did you have like a moment you say oh now I know what to do and then you kind of went with that or was it not quite like that I would say there were there were a series of different factors that helped me to realize how I could channel the the challenges I was having into something productive um I had been working remotely for some time um, under the the guidance of this new owner. And, you know, I just felt as though there were some things weren't so aligned anymore. So I was sort of feeling like, oh, no, like I just, you know, it's hard for me to be the very front facing person of this operation, um, you know, even down to like the the words on the website, you know, that I was writing. it was, it felt like I was maybe not so aligned with that anymore. And I didn't want to feel out of integrity in continuing that. So there was a bit of like despair um, in my own process. And also like, what was I going to do about this? Um, And so I was still in contact with Dan and he had, um, he was pursuing some uh, solar projects and um, also Kratom had really helped him because he had a very um, terrible accident and that was like really helping him with his pain. So he was kind of working in that, but it wasn't working out so well. And so we, we had kept in contact and he was like, well, you know, do you want to found something else? Do you want to start, start something else in the new place? Like I, you know, I love Costa Rica. I've been traveling there. Like maybe there's an opportunity to take what we learned. And so when that idea came about um, I didn't even realize that was a possibility and I, I had never been like the entrepreneur type. Um, so I didn't, it wasn't even in my field that like I could just start something on, you know, on my own or, or with Dan. But when you propose that, um, I'm forever grateful because he, he has that very entrepreneurial spirit and, and really um, goes after things like there's nothing holding him back, which, which there isn't, you know. Um, but for me, I do get stuck in the, I don't like to do things unless I know I can do them perfectly kind of yeah. mindset. Right. And so I can relate um, to that. <laughs> yeah. It's such a, it's such a, um, yeah, it's, there's, there's, it's a virtue and a vice, right. Because I, I do feel like I lean into really wanting to do things well because I care about them, but sometimes it's limiting. And um, so when he kind of opened up that possibility, I was like, okay, you know, I I actually do feel like there's a way I can channel all of these things that I've learned and basically the tools that I wish I had had um, into something, something new and something different and something that's, you know, not in Peru because at that point I had felt like my chapter in Peru was done for a, a time um, and I had never been to Costa Rica, but, uh, I really loved the values of the country. And so it was about finding the advisors that could maybe help us, um, do this well. Right. And working in conjunction with the healers. And then we had been connected to Dennis McKenna, um, from Dan had done a documentary from Peru with him. So kind of knew, you know, Dennis knew us and we knew him. And so, we reached out to him and we were like, Hey, you know, we want to, here's kind of the concept. We want to start something. We also um, reached out to Joe Tefor, who had been a part of the center that Dan ran trips with back in 2013. 
Um, he's a doctor who was then trained in the um, Shipibo lineage and modality. And so he was also this like bridge between worlds, um, really understanding both sides. And, and then Bia Labate, who, um, who was a Brazilian anthropologist who had lots and lots of experience working with different medicine traditions and had also started a nonprofit, Chacruna Institute for Psychedelic Plant Medicines, and really, again, helping to be this bridge. And so we were like trying to gather advisors that could help us do this well. Um, and then Bia connected us with some clinical psychologists with plant medicine experiences. And this was all, this was in 2017. So, you know, things were starting to become a little bit more well-known. There was the um, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy programs that were starting to happen in California and um, yeah, it just seemed like a really good time to start to more actively bridge these worlds. And so for me, that became this channel of like, how do I, how do I take these experiences and actually do something with them rather than necessarily just, yeah, just be, be in a frozen state basically. Yeah. No, that sounds, that sounds great. So how, how, how long is it since it started? It, it was, oh, it was 2018, wasn't it? June yeah, so 2018. Just about a month from now will be our, our four-year anniversary. Gosh, <laughs> feels like two days and feels like 10 years sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And you're also starting out, uh, you're, you're, you're opening up some stuff in, the, um, in, in Peru as well, aren't you? Yeah, it feels like this really special full circle moment. Actually, in two days, um, we will be having our first retreat down there. So we're, we're working with um, a center that is in Tarapoto, Peru. So it's, it's in the high mountain jungle. So you don't have to go to Iquitos, um, which has started to feel like a pretty intense energy down there. So it kind of feels nice to to be in a in a different location but it's still in the amazon it's basically like where the amazon and the andes kind of meet so you're in this like mm. mountainous but it's still primary amazon rainforest um so yeah it feels really special to kind of have come back around now with everything we've also mm. learned in costa rica um, to bring it back there uh, i mean I, i've never been to iquito so uh when you say it's it's quite uh what did, what did you say in, intense uh what's <laughs> What's your experience of it, of it there that, that it's like that now? Is it just too much? Yeah, it's, it's started to get, I mean, towards the end of my time there, um, it's, you know, it's kind of like the hub uh, where, pe- where everyone kind of has to go if they're going to go to the surrounding jungle. And there's a lot, I mean, the Shipibo um, healers and the centers and then, you know, other people who have come in, you know, mostly gringos to start centers down there have, uh, have there's just a lot down there going on right now and um Iquitos itself is you know I, I mean in my experience there I never felt I never felt unsafe but I I also like only went to like four places when I was in the city like I knew exactly where to go and then just kind of you know not go anywhere else um but yeah there's just a lot more activity down there and it's as 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 more people seek to work with ayahuasca, you know, then everything that comes along with a lot of people coming to a city that, you know, struggles with economically um, Mm. has really burgeoned in the last several years. So coming from a very opening experience in the jungle, like we would travel 
two hours out outside of Iquitos and then take a boat two hours up the river. So that was the only way to get to our center. So it was very much like surrounded by jungle and, and isolated mm. coming, coming back into like this kind of crazy, you know, you got taxis everywhere and there's just like so much activity is very, um, it can be very dysregulating for people as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So how often, how often do you uh, sit in ceremony these days? Yeah, these days it's probably like once every couple of months, um, really just to kind of check in with the boss and <laughs> see what I'm doing and how I can improve and um, also clear a little bit of energy and cleaning. So mm. I'm very much more about like integration myself these days. I feel mm. I feel like I am in my best uh, space within my body when I have long periods without any um anything that, you know, can be potentially dysregulating, um, because yeah, there's just a lot, there's a lot going on. And so I trying to find that stability within myself and the medicines really helped me see that, you know, there's an opportunity to, um, to check in, but not necessarily like go into that space all the time, um, has been really, really healthy for me. And so now when I do go into ceremony, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much out of commission for like two days after that. So, um, yeah, there's also like <laughs> that. That's a coordination within itself as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can you quantify how many ceremonies you've uh, attended now, or is it? Uh, not really. I mean, some maybe somewhere between like um, 150 to 200, maybe. I'm not totally mm. sure. Yeah, I definitely lost lost count after a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely. Once you get to a certain level, you know, it's it's kind of irrelevant now. But I mean, the only reason I ask is it's you know most people who get to go um, will go for a week or two weeks and may never get the opportunity to go again. So it's a very much a condensed um, period, and it's just really interesting to be able to see what it's like for somebody that gets the opportunity to work with it for such an extended period and because you know what having 150 ceremonies is going to be very different um experience and path than somebody who does eight and and not get the opportunity to do it again um yeah i'm reminded actually of one of my facilitators um we recently did like a little facilitator q a because there's a lot of people in our community interested in this path and it is so what she said to kind of piggyback off of that is you know i had a very different understanding of what this work was about after my fifth ceremony and then i had a very different understanding after my 50th ceremony and then i had a very different understanding after my 150th ceremony right so it is this like it, it and at the same time, like we're all human and life keeps happening. And so there's always more to learn. You know, I, I think sometimes when people sort of quantify like, oh, like you've had this many ceremonies, like you must be completely healed. And it's like, no, of course not. Like, like healing is such a lifelong journey and things keep happening and it's a spiral and we come back to the same things over and over again. And I'd say I'm very much like, I am a different person, of course, than before I started. Um, but at the same time, I'm also like actually just really much more connected to the same person I always have been. And mm. I know this is this is a very uh, I would always bring this up in my in the sharing circles because I was always so um, focused on dose. And I was so like, I mean, I realized that 
I had projected this full cup as being like this terrifying, like, uh, enemy of mine that I couldn't quite slay and I didn't quite make it uh, to it. And I kept being told, it's like, you know, it's it's not, it doesn't matter how much you drink. It's like, it's, you know, some some people need a small amount for a big ceremony and some people have a lot and they don't have anything. And I know it's it's very personal and, and it can be, I mean, do you find for you that it's like, if you were to drink the same amount, most times you could have just completely different effects each time? Or would you say that, there's a dose for you that you've kind of figured out as your kind of sweet spot? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, it's funny because it's truly one of the only medicines that I know of that is like absolutely not related at all to the the amount that you are taking. Um, Because I've, I've seen it, you know, I think like, I remember I, I would drink when I was kind of first starting within the first several months of working there. I was like, I, you know, I need to go in there. I need to drink a lot. And I was like, I was drinking like two full cups, um, in Peru for many, many times over. And I was kind of hitting this wall, you know, and, and it was almost as if I was, yeah, coming in with these, you know, we say not to have expectations, but I was going in with these expectations. I drink this much. I should have this type of experience. And, um, of course, you know, (laughs) one of the brilliant, like the things I just love so much about this this medicine is that I, I really am working with a spirit that's way smarter than I am. And so I was just getting this sense of like, nope, I'm not, you know, you're, you're trying to force rather than surrender. And so I was actually talking with um, a facilitator at the time, who's now one, one of my dearest friends. And she, she was like, you know, you're in a unique position where you have an opportunity to, to drink this over a longer period of time. Like, why don't you just try less? just try it. What's it going to do? Like, just try less. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, yeah, I'm not going to have an experience, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I had the most powerful experience I'd had to date, like drinking half a cup, you know, and really sinking into that, the trusting of the medicine and the process and myself that I was going to get what I needed from that. And it opened up for me like incredibly. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it really does depend. Um, on where you are, on what you're bringing to it as well. Um, and also that level of, of sort of, of, of surrender of really like letting go. Um, and I've seen people that, you know, had similar experiences, they would drink a lot and they wouldn't really have an experience. And then they would drink just a very small amount. And, you know, it would be this, this thing that would really open for them because in a way for me, it felt like actually drinking less was putting more trust into the process. And it was actually, that was the key ingredient, um, that helped me to like, have this, have this opening. Mm. That's really interesting. Thank you for that perspective. Um, cause I know that I was always like, yeah, I was just in this battle with myself, uh, the whole week. Um, and, yeah, it's just always trying to control the whole process um, to the point of just seeing, you know, I, I managed to have, a, I had a catch up with Dennis um, in some months after I, after uh, we left. Um, and he just said something pretty profound. It was just, just like, he says, it didn't, it sounds like you didn't trust yourself. Yeah. Um, and then you're just kind of like, oh, right. Yeah, that's really interesting. 
That was similar. Yeah. That was actually what um, the facilitator told me. She was like, you know, why don't you, you're in a different place than when you started drinking. Like, why don't you really trust that you're in a, that you're a different person now and you can meet. And like something that I love so much about this work is that it is so it activates your own agency in your healing. And that is so different from the way that we are told medications work and you know, that, that the answer is this external thing that's going to act chemically on you. And you have no say in like how that works, but here it's every, it's like, everything is what you bring to it. And it's that like true reflection. And that's kind of what I love. Like, I feel like that's so clever of the medicine to be like, okay, if you're going to come with these, you know, this need to control, like I'm not moving an inch. Like I'm just going to reflect that back to you by, by showing how that's not working. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a, a fascinating process. And, and we spoke about expectations and I've had to contemplate my expectations and what I think that means and, and how much you, this is what we were talking about on Sunday when I was recording the, the last episode that we were both like really head people. Um, and really overanalyzing it. Um, and I was laughing about how much uh, this podcast, in a sense, is me just having the opportunity to overanalyze somebody else's perspective, <laughs> which in a way, you're just like, there's something kind of a little bit counterintuitive going on here. Um, <laughs> it's all about how do you move from the how do you move from the head space into the felt space? Uh, which is what it's more, which is what it's, it's more about. Well, I think too, like, you know, we're, we're meaning making machines and, you know, so much of what I've learned about somatic work, which, you know, is really focused on the level of the nervous system and the body and the way that our bodies hold trauma and how our, our minds are a sense organ extension of our bodies. And so our bodies are constantly experiencing things in the moment. Like our bodies are highly, highly evolved things that have been developed over millennia to constantly take in so much information, always living in the now, in the present moment. And our minds have the way our neocortex is really developed, you know, in the last little while, very much after the the limbic system and, you know, the, the primal more like reptilian parts of our brain. Um, and it's been so beneficial to be able to create meaning and orient ourselves to, you know, the past and the future. Um, but really our minds just writing stories over what our body's experiencing. So our body experiences something and it's not our minds controlling our reality. Our minds are just trying to make meaning over what the body is experiencing in the moment. And I think that we do in our culture think that like our minds are controlling everything and that it's this top-down approach, but it's not, it's really this bottom-up approach and they work in conjunction with each other. And so it's this feedback loop. So I think, you know, I agree that it's like, it's always, it's really healthy for us to move into a felt sense experience. Um, but it, it's integrative, you know, it doesn't mean that our minds are bad. It doesn't mean that the analytical part is our enemy in any way. It's actually always working towards our survival. It's always working towards the body's intelligence. And so, 
yeah, for me also, it's like, I, I kind of, I swung the pendulum really far and like the, Oh, I'm such an overthinker. I'm overanalyzing and all of these things. And like really trying to find that balance of like, okay, like you are serving an important purpose. And sometimes this is great. And sometimes it's like, not always, you know, what I need to lean into completely, but here you are, I'm noticing you and thank you for, you know, helping me live my life in the best way. And you know, bringing that a little bit more back into balance and just understanding its function, you know, it is always going to do that, but it's not a bad thing. It's just what it is, you know? Yeah. It's just getting too overdeveloped and taking over. Thinks it's, <laughs> thinks it's the boss. Uh, <laughs> Someone mentioned sometime that like energetically we're like walking lollipops. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like living in that space. Yeah. Um, Something that just kind of came to mind, which is totally, uh, it's not random, it's still relevant, um, but this could end up hitting a bit of a brick wall if you say no. Um, but the, have you, given that you've been in the space this number of times, have you ever been, um, how do you say, delivered your own Icaro? Have you ever been presented with your own Icaro? <laughs> which I've, ever, oh, which I've okay. heard, I've heard can happen. Yeah. Wow. It's so funny that you say that because um, I had totally forgotten until you just said that there was, there was one time, one time that I was lying in a puddle of sweat on the bathroom floor in Peru. And, um, and I did get a Nicaro come to me. (laughs) It was at the, it was at the end of a diet that I was dieting um, with, what was it? Pinon Colorado was the, the plant. Um, it sounds like a wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dieting like, with a glass of wine. Yeah. In the <laughs> this is really, it's got, it's got like pink kind of blush colored leaves. Um, it's a very, it's a heart opener for sure. And uh, yeah, I actually did get this very sweet little Icaro come through that I couldn't, I couldn't remember it now if you asked me, but I do remember the feeling of like, something coming through me at that point. Um, and I never really thought of myself, you know, and in, in that way, that wasn't ever my path. Um, and I don't think it is, but, um, I do remember feeling like this really sweet connection, um, with this plant. And like, it was speaking through me to kind of help me out of this spiral hole that I had found myself in on the bathroom floor. <laughs> so was that just then something that I mean, it just came to you. Do you think you do you think you sang it at the time, or do you I think did. it just? Yeah, okay. no, I like I like um, I I kind of hummed it, and then like I I yeah, I started to kind of sing it. It wasn't it wasn't like Shipibo language or anything like that. Yeah, it was yeah. just sounds, but um, but yeah, I did actually uh, sing it out loud to myself. <laughs> and was that something that you just had momentarily, and then it just kind of faded? Yeah, yeah, because you? I I tried after the ceremony to like recall it and it and it didn't it hadn't stuck, but um mm. it did evoke an energetic feeling within me um that stuck with me. So it was yeah, it was like the feeling that it evoked rather than the actual notes. Okay. And something you just said though, do you, are you saying kind of that you own that you're largely delivered um an Icaro if it's your path? to have that so, is that what you were kind of saying well I guess I'll share like the way that the 
the way that a healer, at least in the Shipibo tradition, trains to become a healer is they work with the different. So like each plant teacher is a teacher. So you, you kind of like study, it's like medical school. Like you study with different, different plants have different properties and teachings to pass on. And so the way that they do it is they, they diet different plants. I think I mentioned the dieting process before a little bit, but basically it involves drinking a tea with uh, that specific plant that you're looking to learn from. And then, and that's kind of opening the diet with ayahuasca, which helps you to connect to the plant spirit world. And so you open this relationship. And for as long as you're dieting the plant, you have usually isolation, especially if you're training to become a healer. I didn't do that for mine. They were social diets, but um, when you're really looking to kind of go deep with, with these teachings, um, you put yourself in isolation. Um, there's absolutely no salt, no sugar, um, no fat, no, um, sex or energetic exchange with, you know, self or others. Um, so it's a, what you're doing is you're really cleaning your own vessel to be able to then pick up the, and connect to the subtle energies of the plant. And so if you do this with a sincere intention and you do it very, um, you know, for a period of time, diets can be anywhere from like, you know, a week, I think 10 days is usually the minimum, but up to like over a year, some people, you know, some healers have, have done it for a very long period of time. And after a while, if your vessel is clean enough, um, then the plant may gift you with a song, which is the way that it can then transfer its energetic healing properties through you as the vessel into the space, into the energetic body of the patient and help to sort of correct the energetic knots within a patient's body. So within the Shipibo tradition, like it's so, you know, it's such a different experience having a ceremony with Icaros because for them, the Icaros are the main conduit of the healing work done. And the ayahuasca really just allows them to connect with the spirit world and really help to channel the different plant spirit doctors that they have, you know, dieted and worked with um, so that they can be a vessel for the plants to work through them. So, you know, that is a very like arduous and long process because it does involve a deep excavation of, you know, what it is that may be blocking you and your vessel from, from connecting with these very subtle energies. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it's not to say that, you know, you won't get a Nicaro if it's not meant for you or, you know, anything like that, but I think just kind of sharing that that's the way that it works. And, um, that's also why the Icaros are so, such an important and crucial part of this work, at least within this tradition. Yeah. Um, and again, I was just saying on Sunday that um, whilst I didn't, because I had probably maybe an opening experience without any significant um, changes of, of state, even though it was kind of it, um, I also didn't uh, have the opportunity of really experiencing the magic of the Icaros from that altered state. But just the whole culture of the ceremony and this when you're coming at it from a westerner's point of view and because it's so different there's a real kind of eeriness to to it and it's because it's moving you so much um because it's so different and a little bit scary um 
especially when they're and when they're in front of you and they're really shouting it at you in a way you're almost just like did i do something wrong you sound like you're telling me off <laughs> um but um, yeah. sometimes it can be like this force field <laughs> yeah comes out but then you. i just yeah i definitely was really a, thinking about it w- when i was having it sung to me about how much it takes out of them to do just one ceremony to do that all night long um and smoking them apaches and uh yeah that would uh that would be a, a you'd have a horse through it in the morning that would be for sure yeah no it's it's insanely impressive honestly when they're going for you know upwards of five six hours and really i mean you know for for me it's like i can I can see and feel the way that they are actually moving the energy through the space and the way that the Icaros uh, awaken the medicine. Like I, sometimes I'll get this feeling if I'm able to kind of connect into the song, the way that the medicine likes it, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it, it kind of opens it up and, you know, you can kind of feel the energy. It's such a unique, you know, and, and it's, it can work as well, even if you're not on the medicine um, yourself. And in fact, in the old days, the only the healers would, would drink the medicine just to connect to the space. And then the patient would simply receive the song. But for us being able to also drink the medicine ourselves and connect more deeply into that space, I think is, is so beautiful and and powerful, you know, for the uh, person's inner experience. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting, you know, thing because as this work becomes more and more uh, well-known in, in different circles and spaces and, you know, non-Indigenous contexts, you know, there's this almost sort of extractivist approach. Like, how can we just like take the chemical, the DMT, or, you know, take even just take the medicine and take it out of the ceremony space and, you know, not necessarily have the same um, type of ritual and understanding of like the full context of the holistic healing process, because it is holistic. It's, you know, it's the community that you're a part of. It's the food that you're eating. It's the preparation that you do. It's the mental and emotional, um, you know, as well as physical preparation and integration afterwards. It's being in nature. It's the ceremony itself, the act of ritual and setting intentions and, you know, setting aside that space and creating that container. It's the songs themselves that are moving in the energetic space. And so, you know, I, I think that as this work, you know, becomes more well-known it's really important to understand that this is like holistic healing and all of these parts are super important to be able to really address the person as a whole person and to integrate all of the different pieces of it Um, it's not going to be the same if you just you know take the chemical or take even take the ayahuasca and put on a playlist and you know not have any preparation beforehand or afterwards and so Anyway, bit of a tangent, but I think it's relevant as as you know as this medicine spreads into the world, understanding like the holistic aspect of it, which can be a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit intimidating in that it's like totally different than the current medical system that we have in place. Yeah, I mean, I always say there's no tangents uh, on this. It's like you know, this is this is a sp- love that <laughs> th- th- this is a space um, for whoever is coming on. Uh, whoever's coming on to be a guest this is the space to for them to share their thoughts their learnings um for the wider good of anybody who comes to want to hear the messages um and yeah it's all about yeah it's taking everybody's within this community 
to say, what have I learned? No, it's not even about what, what would I, what do I wish I had? Uh, what do I wish I should, I could have learned from someone else? It's just like, if you feel that there's something that's, that you've learned along the way and it's really means a lot to you, um, then yeah, I'm wanting to kind of grab all of that, uh, into, into one place. And, and I really, yeah, I, yeah, I'm so excited for, I'm so excited for this project and that the, everybody that's been involved with it so far and everybody that I hope to be able to get involved with it in the future. And, you know, like I said, this is, there, there's other podcasts like this, um, but we're all doing it in our, in our own way. And, uh, I'm just really pleased for, I'm really pleased that it's off the ground and, and we're doing pretty well. And, and I'm so grateful to anybody who wants to take the time out to kind of step forward, to kind of be involved, uh, with it. So yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm really grateful to you to, for taking your time out to do this because yeah, you've got, uh, you've got, you've got a lot on your plate, uh, and to be able to be able to take this time out to, to, to share with me, I, I definitely, I really, really appreciate that. So thank you so much for, for, for being involved. And I've really enjoyed, uh, I've really enjoyed hearing your story. It's been great. Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's such a beautiful project. And, you know, I think sharing more of the learnings of this work is, is so crucial right now, because, you know, there's a lot there's a lot happening in the psychedelic movement and, you know, it really is like an all hands on deck sort of situation with understanding, you know, what real healing is. And truly I feel that the way that this type of work empowers our own innate healing capacity and reactivates our own agency in our process, because like really it's just so empowering, you know, and, and remembering that we do have, the tools, we do have the capacity, we do have, you know, everything within us that we need to heal. And it's so easy to feel so powerless in the way that I think modern culture approaches um, wellness and, you know, kind of breaks everything down into different parts. You go see this specialist for this and this specialist for this, and none of these specialists talk with each other. And nobody asks what you're eating unless you're going to, you know, like holistic nutritionist is like, okay, that's great. Awesome. We're starting to, you know, understand the way these things interact, but like, we're, we're just one body, you know, we're one body with many different facets. And so the way that this medicine works on the energetic, the emotional, the mental, the very physical, you know, and brings all of these things together and the spiritual uh, on top of it, you know? And so I feel like for me, it's just expanded so much what healing actually means and what health actually means. And what integration of the self can actually look like. Um, and it's empowering and it's, you know, and it's, it's something that everybody has. Um, mm. And ayahuasca is not for everyone, you know, psychedelics are not for everyone to be very clear about that. Um, but for those that it calls and for those that this uh, desire to connect more deeply with themselves, spirituality. I mean, I just think there's no better, um, for me, there hasn't been a better tool or medicine that has helped really connect me on every single level and help me remember that ultimately, you know, I do have the answers that I seek within myself and that I am very much connected to everything else in this world, nature, seen and unseen, right? Yeah, beautiful, (laughs) 
beautiful. Thank you so much uh, for all of that. So yeah, thanks for thanks for letting me share. <laughs> it's been great. Have a great rest of the day and thank you so much for doing this. I yeah, really appreciate thank you, it. Gordon. Enjoy your evening. That was such a lovely talk. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks for making it through to the end. I really hope you enjoyed the content and managed to get something out of it. Remember, if you liked it, I'd love it if you clicked follow to be notified of future episodes. And also, it would be gratefully appreciated if you would share it with anyone you think might be interested. Hope to see you again.